was up at high school summer camp last night, and um, we're, we've been studying the love of God and Moses' command to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, which is God's command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And so, those of you who've been praying for the high schoolers, be praying this morning as Kevin preaches, um, as, as they examine and submit their hearts to the Lord, and how God would have them love Him with all of their strength. Um, powerful, powerful weekend we've had up at high school camp this weekend. Thank you for praying. Uh, this morning we are continuing our series as we've spent the whole summer, summer studying the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and um, these, these last final weeks we're studying uh, the works of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. If you've missed a week this summer, if you know, out of town or whatever, weren't able to, to hear it, all of these sermons are available online, and so you can check those out at, uh, at your own pace. But today we are looking at the spiritual gifts of healing and the spiritual gift of affecting signs and wonders, miracles in other words. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 uh, is our text today, and I'll be reading and preaching from the New American Standard Bible. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, and to yet another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, And yet another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. And we exalt You and praise You, God, for Your incredible love and holiness and goodness. And we thank You today specifically for Your Word. We pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us and teach us and instruct us and move us, Lord, that we would be changed and respond by the power of the Spirit to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, of all of those gifts, all those things we just read in that list that Paul lists out there, today we're looking at two of them. We are looking at the spiritual gifts of healing, as Paul puts it, and the effecting of miracles. And as we do, we're going to ask three questions. And so the sermon will have like three main parts to it. The first is, what are gifts of healing and the gift of miracles? And then we'll look at why the gift of healing and miracles. Are, are they necessary and good and what's their place, all of that. So we'll look at the what, we'll look at the why, and then we'll look at the how. How are gifts of healing, and how is the gift of miracles to be practiced? So kind of a, a, a practical approach to look at all aspects, hopefully, of these gifts. And so we'll start off with what. What are the gifts of healing and the gift of miracles? And we can mean many things when we say healing, uh, for example. We can also mean many things when we use the word miracle. Often we, we, um, I think it's miraculous when my 15-year-old uh, picks something up off of the floor in her bedroom, for example. Now, and that may be a miracle of God. 
But those aren't the miracles that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, we, can, we can heal a cut by caring for it and cleaning it and giving it some time, right? We can heal certain ailments or, or affect healing over time by allowing ailments to heal. We can, we can live healthy lives of wellness and sort of live lives that, are, that have been healed from other injuries we see around us. There's kind of a way in our culture that we talk about that and think about that. And that is not what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. These forms of healings and these forms of, of miraculous signs are predictable. They're explainable. There's a pattern to them. Paul is talking about healing that goes beyond the type of healing that you and I can explain. It goes beyond logic, in other words. This gift of healing is supernatural. The gift of healing that Paul's talking about cannot be explained. Paul is speaking of the supernatural that we will be given, some will be given supernatural gifts to heal and supernatural gift to perform miracles is what, what he's saying here. The gifts of healing and miracles are supernatural, and yet there's not much in Scripture that describes either of these gifts. They're perhaps two of the gifts that, in my mind, require the most explanation, along with some others, like tongues and such. But tongues are given, like, whole chapters in the Bible. You know, how and when and interpretation, all of that. Like, miracles and signs and wonders, you think there'd be at least a little bit of an explanation of them. And so, as with the rest of our lives and in all of our uh, walk as a Christian, we look to the life of Jesus, first and foremost, to see what is this gift? What is meant by the gift of healing and the gifts of affecting miracles? Because God, it's as if he simply says, there is such thing as a gift, now go and do it. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, it's important for us to note, starts out with this form of a mission statement in Luke chapter 4. He's just been baptized, and he's returning back to his home region. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, and, and this, is, this is what happens. It says, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, And news about him spreads throughout the surrounding districts. And he begins teaching in their synagogues. And he was praised by all. He came to Nazareth. Okay, that's Jesus' hometown, remember. He goes into his hometown. He's back home. Okay, and he says where he had been brought up. And he was, as was his custom, he enters the synagogue on the Sabbath. He stood up to read. The book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opens the book and he found the place where it was written... And he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant. And then he sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, and now this is his like rabbinical interpretation of the text right? Like the the teachers would have done after reading the text. They would have given an interpretation or, or a teaching. Jesus says to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Like, wow, right? He's like, this was just this prophecy that every Jewish man would have had memorized was fulfilled today. Recites this very common a messianic passage. Everyone understood this to be a passage that pointed directly to the Messiah. 
And Jesus doesn't just do that. He then goes and for the next three years fulfills those prophecies and walks in every single one of those prophetic um, things that, that were declared of the Messiah right from the start of Jesus' mission statement. He includes supernatural healing and miracle, uh, miracles as a central component to what he was going to do. The apostles bear witness to this as well. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, the apostles actually witnessed. They saw Jesus operate in supernatural power, supernaturally healing people, supernaturally, as they say in that verse, in verse 38, doing good, which is ministering to the poor, doing a good deed, which means, like, lowering yourself socially in stature and ministering to the people who socially don't appear to deserve to be ministered to. That's what they mean by doing good. Jesus blessed and ministered to the low, the poor, the downtrodden, performed many unexplainable miracles, supernaturally releasing people from spiritual oppression, supernaturally healing people suffering from ailments. And notice Jesus never promotes himself. He simply lives out of the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him. It seems that any type of advertising, people flocked to Jesus. People brought their sick to him. They crowded around him. And this was based solely on his reputation. Because Jesus was living out of the reality that the Holy Spirit was in him and with him. He's simply being who he came from heaven to be. He's being who God has called him to be. It's so simple. It's so profound. And in the same way, those of us who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit in us, it's a similar call, the same call really from God, to be who you are in the Spirit, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a a beautiful picture of being led and empowered by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 4, 24, it says, news about Jesus spread throughout all of Syria. They brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them, it says. And so when the Apostle Paul mentions the supernatural gift of healing, we can understand it as this, just by looking at the life of Jesus and even looking at the book of Acts, how, how the, the gifts of healing seem to, to follow the same pattern. That the gifts of healing are the display of God's love and power to release someone. To release someone of an affliction, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional or psychological, but especially physical. Jesus affected many spiritual or, excuse me, physical healings. And see, this reflects what we see throughout the New Testament. God supernaturally releasing people from afflictions. And as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we see a picture. We we, we start to get a more complete picture of this gift of healing. So a quick list of people that Jesus healed and set free and effected miracles upon or for. First, demoniacs. We see that throughout his ministry. Uh, The blind, the physically disabled, right? The Bible uses the, the frame lame, which is like legs that have never worked supernaturally started working, became strong and healed, and muscles formed instantaneously. It's something that happens. Epileptics, paralytics, lepers, 
Um, he, he arrives after a young girl had already passed away. And rather than healing her because he got there after she died, he raises her from the dead. He heals a woman of bleeding conditions, and it just happens as he's walking along and, and not even looking at her, she touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed. The adulteress, the, the unlikable tax collector, is, is supernaturally transformed and changed by his encounter with Jesus. Just the way he identified himself, the, way, the patterns of thinking, the way he made his money, his identity, everything that was wrapped up in who he was changed supernaturally after encountering Jesus. Old people, young people, Jews, foreigners, the wealthy, poor, they're all released, healed, and set free in a supernatural way by a supernatural God. In all of this healing, God is saying to his creation, I love you and I am with you. Though things don't seem to be as I see them, they are and I am still in control. I'm still with you and I still love you. All this healing points to Jesus as Messiah. All healing will point to Jesus as the one to whom the prophets pointed. And all healing today would point to Jesus as the fulfillment of that prophecy. And here's Jesus, God in the flesh, doing what he promised to do. Lovingly healing and releasing broken, sick, and afflicted people. Now, this is amazing that God would do this. This is, in and of itself, is tremendous news. That God would come down to earth and walk around and, and heal people. For those families and those communities, that would have been incredible good news. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. That's not the, just the full scope and the intent of his ministry. Jesus didn't just come to show pity on humanity and heal us from some stuff, uh, which might be a conclusion that you'd come to if you read the New Testament without faith. See, Jesus brings true healing in his life and ministry. All those miracles point to a true healing, a true power, which restores people to our intended place with God. See, God's plan in Christ is not just to heal people, but to restore people and empower people. Because we were made in the image of God. We weren't made like weak little underlings. We were, made, we were made in God's image. We were made to walk with God. We were made to have a relationship with God. We, we were made to be with God, in the presence of God. And God's biggest miracle is how he changes us and restores us to himself. And the gospel accounts show us that not only did Jesus walk in this identity and in this power, but also the apostles were made brand new, restored to God, walked in this identity with God, and walked in this power. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He's commissioning other men to walk in the supernatural now. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus summons his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits unclean spirits, to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. He's, he's giving them authority. He's, he's, he's not holding it all to himself. He's, the relationship has been restored. The intimacy has been restored. The power and identity is being restored. Acts chapter 2 verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, okay? This is after Jesus has already gone back up into heaven, this is people gathering house to house, 
It says that they're, they're studying the Word of God. They're studying the apostles' teaching. They're breaking bread together. They're in fellowship. They're in prayer. And they're set in awe at the signs and wonders that are happening in their midst. See, Jesus had commissioned these men to heal and perform miracles as he had done. He imparts a measure of his authority to cast out demons, to heal afflictions and diseases, to perform miracles. And we see, even in the book of Acts, apostles raising people from the dead even. And so we see God give gifts of healing and give the gift of miracles. But there are not very many instructions related to how we go about doing this or how the church is supposed to do this. What does this gift look like when someone is using it? And again, we turn to the stories we see in the New Testament, the examples of healing we see throughout Scripture. And we see some, some kind of commonality here. We see, uh, well, in James chapter 5, there's actually a direct, uh, a, a direct exhortation to lay hands, anoint with oil, bring to, to el- the elders of the church, church leadership, and have them pray, right? And a prayer of faith in that moment. But we see that laying on of hands. We see praying often accompanies healing and, and even the anointing of oil. We see Jesus in Luke chapter 4 laying hands. It says in verse 40, while the sun is setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each of them, he was healing them. And so we see that, this, the significance of touch here. We see Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. They lay hands on this, uh, the Bible, the words the Bible uses is this lame beggar. It's a guy that was sitting outside the temple. He couldn't stand because he's, his legs did not function. And he's begging, and he's asking them for money. And they're like, we don't have any money, right? But what we do have, we will give to you freely. And they reach down and they touch the guy. They actually grab the guy. It says they pull him up and the guy is pulled up and he lands on his feet and his legs are instantaneously restored. Again, there's this, they touch him. They didn't just speak it or say it. Notice they didn't pray though, right? They didn't pray. They just grabbed and pulled. (laughs) Grab pull method. Paul in Acts chapter 28. Acts 28. He heals his friend's dad of illness that was killing him. Just comes, lays hands on him, heals him. But there are places in Scripture where healing is not accompanied by prayer, not accompanied by laying on of hands, not accompanied by the anointing of oil. And it seems that there's no formula for it. There's no perfect process. Healing is God's work. This all points to the supernatural for us. Miracles should always be mysterious and will always be mysterious because they only ever come from God. And they're going to remain a mystery to us. God doesn't teach us this magical formula, right, like white magic or some stupid thing like that, to follow so that we can heal people on our own power or following this, like, three-step method to effect a healing. That's, that's not taught anywhere in the Bible. All supernatural healing is from God, and all glory is for God. And so it is, and it always will be amazing and miraculous to us. It will not be explainable. It will not be as one doctor told me one time when someone was supernaturally healed. Supernaturally healed. It's, it's not simply a spontaneous remission of a condition. God supernaturally heals people. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus lays hands on a leper and he heals him, okay? We're like, okay, I'm starting to see a method here. Laying hands on a leper. Right after he does that, he turns. Remember, crowds all around him. He turns and some guy comes up to him and he says, hey, I've got a servant at home and he's way sick. He's going to die like right now. And Jesus goes, let's go. Come on, let's go home. He goes, no, I'm not even Jewish. you, You can't come into my house. Listen, 
I, I, I'm in charge of a lot of people. I give orders, and those orders kind of pass down the chain of command. And people that I don't know and I've never even spoken to will obey my orders. I believe that you have the same spiritual authority to speak and heal. And Jesus is like, this is true faith. Without praying, without laying on of hands, without being near enough for the man that was dying to hear his voice, this man is supernaturally, instantaneously healed by Jesus. Jesus declaring for all of eternity through the Word of God that He alone is God. He alone heals. Jesus healed the man without even seeing him or being near him. Jesus didn't even pray. We see this happening in the apostles, too. And um, Paul was in a season of such extraordinary miracles that things got weird. And, you know, I, I was raised in a faith tradition that I don't know if we avoided this part of the book of Acts or what, but it just blows my mind when I read, uh, like, Acts 19. Listen to this passage and tell me it's not strange. It's just incredible. Verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, okay? Notice the wording there. God is performing miracles by the hands of Paul. And so that a handkerchief or aprons were even carried from his body, right? People are, like, stealing his hanky, and they're carried to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. What is that? Isn't that crazy? So Jesus can do anything he wants, is what God is saying. Healing is supernatural. You can't explain it. That's what God is saying. Acts chapter 5, a similar thing. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. All the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried their sick out into the streets. Okay, Grandma, get on this pallet. going to bring you out into the street now. Okay, picture that. They're bringing sick people out into the street. A first century street would have been disgusting, okay? It would have been disgusting. Not a place that you go and lay your sick mom or your sick child. But this is the faith that the people had in, in the Lord here. They're bringing their sick out, laying them in the streets on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together. Okay, now it's like the suburbs, like the people from, from Jerusalem. Many people, in other words, were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. No wonder the church was growing. God was doing supernatural things. There was tremendous faith. People were laying their sick people, their, their, their loved ones, on the disgusting streets because they had faith that God would make them better, that God was more powerful than the things that would make their sick person gross by laying in the dirt. These examples from Scripture show us that while God wants to work through us, listen, guys, God does not need us to do anything. God is the one who is healing. No man can take any credit or for any part of that. Peter can't say, well, you know, it was my shadow after all, right? Like, what is that? Healing is supernatural demonstration of God's power, period. Case in point, one time, um, Paulo and I, you guys remember Paulo? We love Paulo. Miss Paulo. Paulo and I went to the hospital, and this was back when Paulo was still shy Paulo, quiet Paulo. This was a long time ago. 
and we're driving in the car, and there was a man in our church that had had a massive stroke, and he was, he was dead, and um, not quite 100% physically dead, but they were like, there's family that just flew in from out of town, please come, and, you know, things are getting a little chaotic, and, and so Paulo and I arrived at the hospital in Thousand Oaks, and on the way, th- actually on the way there, I just had this like, I'm like, dude, the Lord's going to heal this guy. Like, God's going to heal, and I don't know, you know, I don't come from that kind of church, okay? So I'm like, (laughs) I don't know where that came from. And I wasn't necessarily thinking it was going to come from me, okay? I didn't have any reason to believe that at all. But, but we're, as we're talking, we're like getting juiced in the Spirit, right? We're praying. We're like, yeah, you know, Paul's got the big Bible now. You know, like, we're ready. We go into the hospital, and it's the weird curtain room, ICU, or whatever that place is there. And, you know, where there's no privacy, there's no nothing, but there's this big group of people. And so they have to have the curtains open because they're all there. And they're all like circled up, and the guy's like off by himself on the bed, you know, behind them. And they're crying, and they're... And so Paulo and I show up, and these people from Wisconsin are there, and people from, you know, that had come in from out of town, and we're, we're just praying for them and encouraging them. And, um, and all the while, I'm thinking, like, I just want to go pray for this guy. And so the lady from Wisconsin just starts speaking to the man. Oh, hey, your pastors are here. It's Billy and Apollo. <laughs> and this old guy, okay, we haven't prayed for him. I've barely looked at him. No oil. I haven't touched, certainly not touched him. This guy starts, like, gagging, and, and they all come close, and, half, and his family's like, oh, come on, you know, like, don't be morbid. Anyway, he goes, it's Apollo, not Apollo. <laughs> Corrects this gal. And we're just like, no way, you know, right there in the hospital. He was, his, like, spontaneous remission, right? Isn't that incredible? <laughs> he was supernaturally healed by God. No one can take credit for that. That's how God gets all the glory. Healing is God saying, I'm able to do what I want, and I choose to heal this person right now. Pattern in Scripture seems to be that God loves to heal, and he loves to heal through people via the gifts of healing. That's near and dear to God's heart. And now notice that in the gifts of healing, gifts is plural. It refers to the different gifts of healing that happen at different times. Rather than there's no institution of the gift of healing like there is with all the other or most of the other spiritual gifts. Like, for example, the gift of teaching is a gift that's given to someone and they'll grow in it. And, and, and there's no like instances of people losing that gift and it coming and going, so to speak. But the gifts of healing is never given to a person to where they're a healer. There are no faith healers in the Bible. And so we shouldn't expect that the gift of healing is something that's given to someone that they just like walk in, like they would walk in the gift of tongues or prophecy or teaching or one of the others that are presented that way in Scripture. And that is, seems to say that God alone is the healer. Any Christian could potentially receive a display of God's power to heal someone from an affliction, but it is God that does the healing. Now, some of you may have seen people here healed. You, you might have had experiences similar to the one I had. Others of you may have never seen it. Now, the Holy Spirit chooses who and when and why to heal, and he uses people as a part of that in different ways. And so we should all, listen, you, you, who may have been raised like me in New York in some conservative church, you should be praying for the gift of healing when the Holy Spirit leads you. You should be praying for the faith to walk in the gifts of healing. Now, some people today say that the gifts of healing aren't for today, right? Jesus healed because he's God. The apostles healed because Jesus gave them the authority to. But some people 
believe that the gift stopped with them. But listen, that is not what the Bible shows us. That is, that is, that, that's someone like me that didn't read the book of Acts growing up. Because as we talk about how this gift works, it's good for us to see that this gift wasn't just given to the apostles. Stephen heals. Many, not just heals. It says that many signs and wonders accompanied him. The same with Philip, right? Philip, remember, he goes and he, he witnesses to that Ethiopian eunuch after the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and then he vanishes and he reappears somewhere else. What's that, right? Ananias prayed over Saul. Remember, God struck Saul. Jesus made Saul blind. Ananias comes, lays hands on Saul, heals him. He's restored. It becomes the Apostle Paul. See, you can probably guess why I'm making this point, because God wants to release the gifts of the Holy Spirit abroad across his church. It wasn't just God's desire for the first century church. It's God's, it wasn't just God's d- desire for the apostles. It's God's desire for his eternal church. God is still on the move. God is still putting himself on display. And he's doing that in miraculous, supernatural ways. And so God in his sovereignty may use you. He might use some of you. He might use many of you. God might use all of you to affect healing, to experience supernatural healing. And that might happen here at church. That might happen at Vaughn's. That might happen at your house. That might happen at your friend's house. See, God is putting himself on display to declare that he alone is God. He is still in control. Satan is not. And so why does God give the gift of healing? This is point number two. I know, long point one. Point number two, why the gifts of healing? Now, gifts of healing and miracles are God displaying his power to build faith and release and heal people supernaturally. To build faith and release and heal people supernaturally. Now, this can be very practical. There are some real felt needs uh, that surround us. And God might use natural means. He might just be like, you know what, Billy, you're going to have to just kind of buck up and work hard <laughs> to get through this one. You're going to need other people. You're going to have to surround yourself with community. You know, you're gonna, I'm, I'm going to give you the faith to trust in me, but, but you're going to have to, like, stay up late and get up early and really persevere. Hard work, sweat of the brow, biblical, read Genesis. And sometimes that's the way God helps us through problems and issues in life. However, there are times in life when we run into real felt needs that can only be met by supernatural touch from the living God. And I, I know those in my life, not because I'm super in tune with the Holy Spirit, but because I try to fix them myself for, for a long time until I get so burned out and disillusioned that I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe I pray, right? Maybe I give this one to the Lord. And sometimes there's just things that we're not going to be able to solve and settle on our own. That's why we have the gifts of healing and effecting of miracles. God wants to supernaturally meet real felt needs because God loves broken people. We see Jesus' compassion throughout his ministry. We see compassion being a huge motivation specifically in relation to these two areas of spiritual gifts and um, the gifts of healing and effecting of miracles. Matthew 14, verse 14. It says, when Jesus went ashore, he steps off a boat, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. He's moved with compassion. Jesus is compassionate over broken people and lost people. Remember his good friend Lazarus. He's good friends with the whole family. But his, his friend Lazarus died. And Jesus, he shows up at the house after he's dead. It says he's standing in the door to the tomb, and he weeps. 
okay? Now, Jesus knows he can heal Lazarus. Jesus knows that he will heal Lazarus, but yet he's moved with compassion in this moment, allowing himself, he's like emotionally present. See, God's gift of healing and miracles are not just to meet our felt needs. God could meet our felt needs in a heartbeat anytime he wants. God could bring immediate provision. He could bring immediate justice. He could bring immediate correction, setting all things that are wrong in this world, immediately setting them right and judging what is wrong and establishing his kingdom forever. And that, that's a promise that will come. But see, right now, that, this would be bad news for us. This would be bad news for the world. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God desires that none should perish. And so God gives us gifts so that we might discover his love and his forgiveness in Jesus. See, we live in a season of the church right now where the gifts are significant. So we can remember and be encouraged by and have our faith built up by the supernatural that still dwells and exists even in this fallen world. And it's easy for us to take our eyes off of Jesus and put our eyes on the world. And in the supernatural acts of God and miracles, God is saying, I'm still with you. I love you. God's gifts are given to bear witness to the gospel of the kingdom. And signs and wonders are a glimpse for us so that we see what we have waiting for us. There was a moment in his life where John the Baptist uh, was really struggling with disillusionment. Uh, he was in jail, and he's kind of like, you know, this isn't what I thought life was going to be for me, right? Why, why am I in jail right now? And so he had a group of his own disciples, and he sends some as messengers to Jesus just to ask him, like, hey, you know, just ask him, are you sure you're the Messiah? I mean, I shouldn't be in jail. I should be out doing the declaring and stuff. And so here's what Jesus responds to John the Baptist's disciples. In Luke chapter 7, verse 22, he answers them, and he says, go tell John what you have seen and heard. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. He's pointing to the supernatural. He's saying, look, if you don't believe that God has come, I'm fulfilling prophecy, number one, and I'm doing supernatural, unexplainable things that no person can do. Jesus points to Scripture to show that God is doing exactly what he promised to do. Paul does the same thing when, when he talks about his own ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 4, he says, My message and my preaching, they're not, intent, they're not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of a man, but on the power of God. That is how we're to communicate the gospel to the world. Not in cleverly crafted words, right? Not in finely refined artistic renderings. Not in wise scholarly debates. Those are all things that give glory to man. We declare the gospel to the world in demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. That is the pattern throughout Scripture. It is the pattern that gives God all the glory. And healing and miracles are glimpses of God's kingdom. They're pictures of God's power. Now think for a second, where, where does all physical affliction come from? Uh, some people say, well, the devil. Yeah, and then that might be true, right? That we see people even in Scripture who are, who are demonically oppressed and possessed and have all kinds of physical ailments as a result of that. We see in the book of Job that Satan is given this power to, to afflict Job in all kinds of just nasty ways. Uh, other people say, well, sins, you know, the sins that you do have an effect on you. 
And that's true, right? You break the law, there's consequences for that. You have a, an unhealthy pattern lifestyle, habitual patterns of behavior that are unhealthy. There are going to be consequences for that. But it's not so much the devil, and it's not so much the specific sins that are the issue. It's the condition of sin that affects the earth and all of humanity. It's the separation that sin has caused between man and God, that we are no longer with God because of sin. And so all of creation feels the pain of our broken relationship with God. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says that we, we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Now, see, things are not how they were created to be right now. There is a curse on creation. And all of creation, the Bible tells us, is longing to be released from this curse. And this is why there's sickness and injustice and pain and physical degeneration. It's why there's so much violence and death and cancer in the world. Now, listen, often you're sick and it's no one's fault, right? Faithful men and women of God get sick. However, a supernatural gift of healing the reason it's significant for us is a supernatural gift of healing is a reversal of the way that this fallen world works. Miracles and healings are God broadcasting that He's still in charge. And miracles and healings are the kingdom of heaven colliding with the fallenness of humanity. It's, it's a glimpse into the hope that we have in Christ. And so physical affliction is due to the fallen rebelliousness of this world. And so our deepest need and the deepest need for people we pray for, people who are legitimately ill, our deepest need is to be healed from the spiritual affliction of sin, not simply physical affliction. This is the real healing ministry that Jesus provided as he walked on earth. The Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, He himself, referring to Jesus, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. See, he, he points to the physical in alluding to the promise of eternal spiritual healing. Romans chapter 2, 8, verse 2. Romans 8, 2. It says that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, the day is coming when Jesus will restore all things. And the gifts of healing are like a little taste of what's to come. It's like a a little movie trailer, a sneak peek of this feature-length eternity that we're going to experience. And the kingdom of God is going to be amazing when we're able to dwell in the kingdom in its fullness with Christ. And the gifts of healing are going to be horribly outdated in that kingdom, right? It's going to be like, remember when, right? Like, remember when you had a cord on your phone. It's like, remember when we had to heal each other? Like, gosh, that was crazy. Can you believe that? That's the kingdom of God. But see, now, now the supernatural, the gifts of, of healing and, and miracles, now they're a wonderful taste of heaven here on earth, a, a wedding of the appetite. And we should celebrate God. We should expect to see healing happen. And we should celebrate God as he displays his power to release someone from affliction. And God's gifts help provide comfort as we live in this world, but we fix our minds and our hearts and our lives on Jesus. And yeah, listen, we should pursue a healthy lifestyle, and we should do what we can to avoid illness. We shouldn't 
We should be people that live above reproach in all things. Yeah, we should pr- pursue doctor's appointments and medicine and all of those things. Yeah, we should pursue life-giving times of beauty and solitude with God and going out in nature and, and that, that soul healing, as some people might call it. Those are all good and right things. We shouldn't neglect them. But here's the point. We need to be careful, very careful in our life in this culture to leave room for God to move supernaturally. We need to leave room in our life and space in our minds in the way that we process and see the world. We have to create space for God to move supernaturally. In fact, it's good for us to feed on the book of Acts and to to feed on the life of Jesus, to be filled with truth so that we're not so easily swayed when culture tells us that supernatural healing is phony and doesn't really happen. Let's feed ourselves on what we see in the life of Jesus. Let's walk out in our identity in Christ. Let's walk in the joyful confidence that we are filled with the Spirit of God. We should have a childlike faith, the Bible says. And that means we should have a childlike anticipation of the impossible, of the things that can't be explained. We should expect that God would move and put himself on display in powerful ways, ways that can't be somehow misconstrued as as the doing of a man. And so as we talk about healing, just real quick, uh, there are a couple of things that always seem to come up we talk about healing, and um, I don't have time for all of them, but there's one in particular, or a couple, I guess, here. Does God always heal? Why doesn't God always heal? But, you know, that issue. And no, God does not always heal, okay? There's no, there's no promise that everyone's going to be healed right now in this life on earth. The Apostle Paul was not healed from the affliction that he had, right? Paul could not heal himself And listen, Paul couldn't heal Timothy either. Timothy apparently was never healed of all of his ailments. Uh, Epaphroditus wasn't healed. He was ill to the point of death. You better believe Paul was praying his heart out over Epaphroditus, but Epaphroditus wasn't healed. Neither was Trophius. Paul left him, actually, in Miletus, sick, left him to die and abandoned him because he, he wasn't healed. I've known several people. I've known... Now, many children even in this church who were not healed that I prayed for and wept over. Little hands that I've held in the hospital, just, just begging God, praying. And see, we try to come up with answers for questions like this, but li- listen, Scripture doesn't answer all these questions. And some say it's a lack of faith. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it was a lack of faith. And you know what? Jesus said we don't need a lot of faith. He said you need the faith of a mustard seed, right? I don't think it's a a lack of faith issue, at least not in the kids that I knew. Some say it's a lack of prayer. I remember when Britt's daughter was battling cancer, Daisy Love, remember she had that prayer website. There were over two million hits on that prayer website. I, I don't think I've even prayed for my own children as much as I prayed for Daisy in that season of life. So why was she not healed? We don't know. Does God always heal? No, he doesn't. But listen, there are some things that we can know. And here's what we do know. God tells us that we will suffer in this life. God is good, and God is right, and God is with us. And we need to balance our view of the kingdom of God, right? This healing and the supernatural gifts of healing and our anticipation for the gifts of healing. We need to balance that with the reality of this world, that we live in a fallen and broken world. And God is not always going to heal everything because of the sin nature of this world, because he loves 
and he, and he longs and desires that none should perish. We're in a season of grace where God is holding off on the judgment so that many might be saved. And so not everyone's going to be healed in this life. We need to balance our view of the kingdom with a biblical view of suffering. There will be sickness and death until Jesus returns. But God wants to heal. That's his heart. He displayed that in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we should see healing and miracles more often than we do. We should ask for healing and ask for miracles more often than we do. I believe that God is way more willing to heal and even way more willing to heal like through me than I am willing to ask him for healing even. And so as a people, I believe we need to ask and seek and knock. The second thing that we can know is that God makes us more complete through suffering. I know that's super gnarly, but it's a reality. It's a biblical truth. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance have its perf- and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is a purpose in suffering. And the third thing we can know is that God's timing is perfect. And listen, healing is not always instantaneous, right? We might pray for someone and then feel embarrassed, like, oh, they weren't instantaneously healed. Listen, they might be healed later that day. Have faith. They might be healed the next day. Have faith. They they might be healed through radiation and chemotherapy. They, They might be healed by a doctor down the line. They may not be healed and given a new body until Jesus returns. Have faith. Those in Christ will be healed either now or when Jesus returns. And so, so now the, the third point that I promised you way back at the beginning of all this. How are the gifts of healing and miracles practiced? If you sense God empowering you for a pressing need for healing, for a miracle in particular, it will likely be accompanied by faith. So be sensitive. Be sensitive to the Spirit. Be sensitive to the person or situation that God is leading you to. And and ask yourself a few questions. Does this person even want to be healed? It's a good question to ask. (laughs) Does this person want to be prayed for? Is it going to be edifying for me to even, like, pray for them out loud? Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe we need to listen. Maybe we need to sit with them. Maybe we need to allow the Lord to open a door through time. Maybe not. Maybe God's just like, no, just bam, you know, go pray for them. The point is that we need to be sensitive and discerning in the Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit leading you in this? And so we have to be sensitive to the situation. Now, God does make us emotionally available to people, and we need to have enough faith not to emotionalize and act out of emotion because the Holy Spirit may allow you to feel a measure of their burden, right? A listening and emotional response. But what may be most helpful and what may be God's plan in this situation is for us to to remain measured and calm and be present and in the Spirit, being able to readily speak words of encouragement, being readily available to pray and to be thinking like, no, I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to share truth right now in this moment. And so we we have to be just available to the Holy Spirit with our emotions. And so we pray. This is the model we see. This is the command we see in James. We pray. We lay hands on people. We pray. We anoint with oil. And we lead people to Jesus. And listen, we assume when we pray for healing, assume that God wants to heal that person. And, and here's another funny thing. Um, when we pray to God, 
just remember that you're a child of God, right? We don't have to beg God in, in, in a weird way, and we also don't need to pray with all these caveats like, God, heal this person in Jesus' name. But if you don't want to, we want to be open to what you do want to do. If you want to use a doctor, if you want to, like, listen, God knows what you need before you, before you even speak it. Just pray. Pray. Just pray like a child whose father wants to hear him speak. Take time. Shepherd. Shepherd people to Jesus as we pray. And so today, if you're sick, if any among you are sick, listen to the word of the Lord today, James chapter 5. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Come, have the elders of the church pray for you. Come to the prayer team. If you've got something going on inside of you, I love that passage. Confess your sins one to another. There's a a spiritual healing God has for you. But let's be a people that, that walk in the Spirit. Step out in faith for prayer today. Amen? And Father God, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And now, God, we want to be a people who are led by your Spirit as we respond to your word. We pray, God, that you would call many of us and use many of us to display the supernatural in our lives as we live as new creations in Christ. We pray, God, that we would see and experience even miracles and gifts of healing. This morning, God, we pray for you to move in a miraculous way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.